Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome. Welcome, current listeners, new listeners. This is episode 20. Episode 20 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. I broke another promise. I said Saturday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday earlier in last week, and I broke that promise. It is Monday night. Late Monday night. It is 10.05 p.m. currently. I uh, I broke a promise. I uh, I said I was going to get it out to you guys, and I didn't. Uh, school is almost over for me. High school is almost over. And really, once high school, once school's done, once summer kicks in, I will be on. I will have a lot more time to prepare for this kind of stuff, and I will be a lot more consistent with this show. So I apologize. Uh, but hopefully, you guys tuned in to my live stream on Twitter. Last week, I live streamed my reaction to the top 10 picks in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, I had over 70, over 70 viewers, which I was very excited about. So thank you to everyone who tuned in. Uh, but yeah, I, it was a really exciting night. And so what I'm going to do is in case you missed the draft or didn't really follow it, I'm going to go through the entire first round and just list off what team took who and we'll work our way down the list. So the Browns at number one took Baker Mayfield, number one out of Oklahoma. That was pretty surprising to me that the odds had shifted from Darnold to, to Baker Mayfield seemingly overnight, the night before the draft. Baker Mayfield was projected number one in Vegas. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't. I don't like Baker in Cleveland. I like Baker Mayfield, but I don't like him in Cleveland. There's something about it. His size. He's very. He's got a very Johnny Manziel type play style. I. I just don't think he's going to work out in Cleveland. It's either a home. It's either going to be a home run or it's going to be a whiff. The good thing about Baker Mayfield is he doesn't get into the off-the-field extracurricular stuff with the partying and, and stuff like that. He's not into all that, which is good. He's about football. So he's different from Johnny Manziel in that respect. But in terms of his size, I don't think that size is going to work in the NFC or the AFC North. Excuse me. You got guys like Andy Dalton, Big Ben, Joe Flacco. Those guys are at least 6'4". 220 pounds. He's like six foot, maybe 200. So we'll see what his size is like, but how his size translates to that division and see how he works out in that cold weather. But John Dorsey knows what he's doing. I trust John Dorsey. He was the guy that brought in Brett Favre in Green Bay. He built the Chiefs up. He drafted Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and guys like that. So I trust him. I trust him, and I, I really hope it works out for Baker Mayfield's sake and for Cleveland. Number two, the Giants took Saquon Barkley out of Penn State. This is a home run move for them. This gives them a home run hitter out of the backfield. They improved their offensive line later on in the draft, so Saquon Barkley is going to be—he's going to run wild for that Giants team and really it takes a lot of the show uh, a lot of the load off of the shoulders of Eli Manning. 
I thought the Giants were going to go Darnold with him available because they said they really liked him. But Barkley, I think, what is the best choice for them to win now. Number three, the Jets. The Jets took Sam Darnold. And this was a no-brainer. Obviously, they traded up to take a quarterback. And obviously, people assumed Darnold would go one and then you know, the Jets would take Rosen or Baker at three. But Darnold fell to three. And so, obviously, Sam Darnold's number one on the majority of teams' draft boards. Which, by the way, Baker Mayfield was actually the number one quarterback on, like, six other teams' draft boards besides the Browns. Which was a little bit surprising to me. But regardless of that, Darnold fell to the Jets at three. And he'll sit for a year. Because they have McCown and Teddy Bridgewater, and we'll see how that shakes out. But that is their quarterback of the future. Number four, the Browns, Denzel Ward. They need secondary help. Denzel Ward's best man cover corner. Perfect for them. A lot of people thought they should have taken Chubb. I like, I like what they have on the defensive front. I think secondary is where they need a lot of help. Because their run defense is pretty stingy. It's a pretty good run defense. But their passing defense was horrible last year. Number five, the Broncos took Bradley Chubb. With him and Vaughn Miller, the next five years, they're going to terrorize quarterbacks. I mean, you got you got Vaughn Miller coming off of one end that you have to worry about. But then on your other side, you have Bradley Chubb. That's just, that's just impossible to deal with. No matter how good your, your tackles are, you're not going to be able to keep them contained for for very long. Number six, the Colts got protect, protection for Andrew Luck. As I predicted, they took Quentin Nelson. I feel like that is very important to keeping Andrew Luck healthy and just for their overall success as a team. Number seven, the Bills traded up with the Buccaneers and took Josh Allen out of Wyoming. He's got elite size and elite arm. And I think he's perfect for that AFC East division that's a little bit chilly. It's a little bit chilly in the winter. Number eight, the Bears took Roquan Smith out of Georgia. This was a perfect fit, fit for them because they needed an inside linebacker, best linebacker in the draft. Their defense and really their offense is significantly better. They're a team that I would look out for in the next year or two. Number nine, I thought this was... An outstanding pick. The 49ers took Mike McGlinchey tackle out of Notre Dame. And I didn't really think about this much when I was doing my mock drafts. I always predicted defense or maybe Calvin Ridley if they wanted a receiver. But if you think about it, they just paid Jimmy Garoppolo $140 million or 137 whatever it is. They need to protect that investment. And really, it starts with having a good left tackle. And I'm assuming they're going to put McGlinchey at left tackle. Either way, you need to protect your $140 million investment. So I thought this was an outstanding pick. Number 10, the Cardinals traded up with the Raiders and took Josh Rosen out of UCLA. This was a perfect pick for uh for the Cardinals, they have Sam Bradford, but obviously he's not long-term. That's a one-year deal. 
he'll probably sit for a year behind Bradford, assuming Bradford stays healthy. And really, when Bradford's when Bradford's healthy, he's actually a good quarterback. He really is. You just can never trust him to stay on the field for more than three games in the season. But assuming he stays healthy, Rosen is going to actually, I think he can come in the following year and actually have some more knowledge that he's going to get from, from Bradford. And he's going to, I think he's going to be pretty good here in a couple years. The only problem with Rosen is his attitude. He's very self-entitled, self-absorbed. And he called every person picked before him a mistake. And I get what he's trying to say is that, like, teams made a mistake by passing on him. But it's not a logical thing to say because only one, two, possibly three, possibly four, five, really only five out of those nine picks possibly would have taken a quarterback. So... You can't really say that. That's kind of taking a shot at all the other guys that have worked just as hard as you to be in that same situation. He's very self-entitled, and he he's spoiled, too. He grew up a rich kid. So I really hope he, he changes his attitude because he had no right to say the things he did in his press conference. And I have a feeling that that's going to deter people from wanting to play with him. I feel like he's going to be really good. But team but but teammates won't want to play with him because they just won't be able to stand him. But I think he's going to be a good player and he's perfect for the Cardinals. Number 11, the Dolphins took Minka Fitzpatrick. I thought they were going to go defensive tackle here to replace Ndamukong Sue, but Really, they're secondary. It wasn't bad last year, but now they're getting Minka, and they have Rashad Jones at their safety positions. That's going to be probably the best safety duo in football. Number 12, the Bucks took Vita Vea out of Washington. With this selection, the Bucks front four is insane. They have they just drafted Vita Vea. They still have Jared McCoy. They got Jason Pierre-Paul on, on one of the defensive ends. And then their other defensive end, a little... He's, he's okay. I don't know who it is. And, I, and if I don't know who it is, he's probably not that great. But their front four is a lot better than it was last year. They're going to be able to get after the quarterback, stop the run. That was their main weakness last year. Now that's going to be a total strength and could be one of the best front fours in football. Number 13, the Redskins took Dayron Payne, defensive tackle, out of Alabama. I was a little bit surprised by this. I thought they were going to go secondary. But Dayron Payne is a good run stuffer. And it really helps out a team that was kind of poor against the run last year. Now, the Saints, they made a huge move. They were originally sitting at 27th, I believe, in the first round, and they traded up and traded next year's first rounder to trade up. And so I, one would assume they're trading up to take a quarterback, and the only one left at this point was Lamar Jackson. And so everyone assumed that Lamar Jackson was going to get selected. Sean Payton loved him and knew exactly how he wanted to use him if they took him. 
But they didn't take him. They took Marcus Davenport, defensive end, out of UTSA. They felt like Davenport was the last piece to developing a Super Bowl team. They felt like he was the missing the missing puzzle piece. And really, I think they could have actually just waited. I think they could have just stayed at 27, kept next year's first round pick, and and got Davenport. Or maybe you could have just traded up a few spots, maybe into the upper 20s or low 20, or however you want to say it, into like the early 20s. And they're going to be a good team next year, so losing that first-round pick, basically that equates to like losing their second-round pick from this past draft that just happened. Because it's going to be a late-round pick, assuming they're a good team, and I think they are a good team, and I think they'll have a pretty good record. So it's not like they lost a lot, but still you're losing the first-round pick. Number 15, the Raiders. They selected Colton Miller, tackle out of UCLA. And actually, I think this is a solid pick because Derek Carr was injured a little bit last year. He had some back issues. Wasn't really the same. He really wasn't effective all year. Wasn't anywhere close to his 2016-2017 form. So I think this was a solid pick for them. The Bills at 16, they selected Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker out of Virginia Tech. And I thought, you know, this was a great draft for the Bills. Tremaine Edmonds is a, an outstand, outstanding linebacker. He was ranked second on my board in terms of linebackers. A lot of people thought they would go receiver here just because they don't really have a clear number one receiver. They have Calvin Benjamin, but he's a little bit injury prone. A lot of people thought they'd go receiver, but with just so much defensive talent on the board, you can't really pass it up. And you can always find a receiver late in the draft. So I thought this was a great pick. The Chargers at 17 got the steal of the first round, I thought. Derwin James fell all the way to number 17, and this filled a huge need for them. They needed a safety, and this guy is like the second coming of Jalen Ramsey. So think about that. So this was a steal of the first round. Excellent selection by the Chargers. And really, they didn't. They just had to sit back and watch. They didn't have to trade up to go get him. They just he just kind of fell to their laps. They probably didn't think they were gonna get him, and he was just he fell to their laps. And they're like, oh, okay, look what we found. We'll just take him. Number eighteen, the Packers traded back from their original spot at fourteen, I believe it was, yes, and then traded back into the first round in front of the Cowboys, and they selected Jair Alexander, cornerback out of Louisville. This was a great pick for them. Because their secondary is horrible. They got rid of Demarius Randall, traded him to Cleveland. They needed some help in the secondary. Jair Alexander was considered the second best corner in the draft. I thought Josh Jackson was the second best corner. He fell to the second round to the Packers. So the Packers got both Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander. So really, it was a great draft for them. All right. Number 19, the Cowboys. 
one would reasonably assume, and I'm a Cowboys fan, one would reasonably, reasonably assume the Cowboys were going to take a receiver here. Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, something like that, right? Because they don't have a Des Bryant. They don't really have a clear number one. So everyone was like, oh, this is Calvin Ridley. This has got to be Calvin Ridley. Well, they surprised everyone and took Leighton Van Der Esch, linebacker out of Boise State. And at first, I was really kind of upset with this just because, you know, we have a glaring need at receiver. But really, the more I thought about it, this is actually a pretty solid pick. Number one, we lost, I say we like I'm on the team, the Cowboys lost Anthony Hitchens to the Kansas City Chiefs. So you're replacing him. Plus, it's, it's Sean Lee insurance. Sean Lee is more than likely not going to play 16 games. So if he goes down, you can just insert him back in, and then you're going to have to find a third linebacker to you know, play on the outside. So really, I thought it was actually a pretty solid pick. And his comparison, his NFL comparison is Luke Keekley, And that's not just because he's a white linebacker. They said his play style is very similar to that of Luke Keekley. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I think that's going to be great for the Cowboys. Number 20, the Lions took Frank Ragno center out of Arkansas. I really thought they needed a running back. Uh, but obviously, to have a good running game, you need help on the offensive line. So this is a pretty good selection here. The Bengals took Billy Price at 21, the center out of Ohio State. Again, they they needed help on the offensive line. I thought they were going to go Isaiah Wynn. But Billy Price at center also fills a need. So this was great for them. 22, the Titans took Rashawn Evans, linebacker out of Alabama. They needed either help on the defense, like on either defensive end or linebacker. And Rashawn Evans was really the last first round worthy linebacker and is actually pretty solid. So good pick for them. The Patriots, a lot of people thought they were going to take a quarterback, trade up to take a quarterback. They really liked Lamar Jackson, but they took offensive tackle. Offensive tackle Isaiah Wynn out of Georgia. They just lost both of their tackles, Nate Solder, and they lost Cameron Fleming to the Cowboys. Nate Solder went to the Giants. So they really needed to, to get a replacement. And, you know, they did just that. Uh, the Panthers at 24 took DJ Moore, receiver out of Maryland. DJ Moore was the first receiver taken off the board. I thought Calvin really was better, but DJ Moore obviously fits their needs a little bit better. Right, he's got a, he's got really good size, really good speed, really good hands, and is an excellent route runner. So, and it fills a huge need for them at receiver. I can't name one person who plays receiver for the Carolina Panthers. Well, I guess Devin Funches. That's about it, though. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's a pretty solid pick for them. The Ravens, at 25, they traded back for a tight end. And that's actually excellent because no team in the first round needed a tight end, especially in the first round. So if you trade back, you can get some extra picks. Take the tight end you want. And they took Hayden Hurst, tight end out of South Carolina. And he's not much of a receiving tight end. 
they got him to help out in the run game because he's an excellent run blocker. And they've been trying to improve their run game. So that's going to help take some of the load off of Joe Flacco. The Falcons at 26 took Calvin Ridley. So imagine this. They have Julio Jones on one side. They have Mohamed Sanu on the other. And then you have Calvin Ridley replacing Taylor Gabriel in the slot. Just think about that. That's an insane receiver combination. That might honestly be the best receiver combination in the NFL. But Sanu, Ridley, Julio. That's pretty insane, man. Their offense is going to be whack. It's going to be outstanding, amazing, incredible. Oh my gosh. I am pretty scared. I would be scared if I played in that division. 27, the Seahawks traded back, and they traded back for a running back, actually, that was projected second round. They took Rashad Penny over Darius Geis. And Darius Geis fell in this draft in the second round to the Redskins because of some maturity issues and just off-the-field stuff and not having a good not having good meetings with other teams, getting in shouting matches. So basically he fell because he needs to mature. So they took Rashad Penny out of San Diego State. And a lot of people think this is this guy is going to be the steal of the draft in terms of running backs. Kind of a little bit of, of a reach in the first round, but hey, if you really want him, there you go. The Steelers of 28 made an even bigger reach. They took Terrell Edmonds safety out of Virginia Tech. And when I say this was a reach, I mean this was a reach. They Terrell Edmonds was graded like a fourth or fifth round talent by a lot of draft experts. So if, if that doesn't say reach, I don't know what does. And the funny thing about this is Terrell Edmonds is the brother of Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker out of Virginia Tech. They both went to Virginia Tech. And Terrell Edmonds was only there to support his brother. He did not expect to get drafted. He was not expecting it at all. He was in the restroom, and when he was in the restroom, he got a call from the Pittsburgh Steelers that he was going to get drafted. What a way. That's a that's a heck of a story. That's a good one to tell the grandkids. Uh but yeah, I, I, this was a terrible pick by the Steelers. I, they really reached. They they could have taken a guy like Justin Reed out of Stanford. That would have made a whole lot more sense. A guy that was actually graded second round. That would have made a ton more sense. Or a guy I like, Ronnie Harrison out of Alabama. That would have made even a lot more sense than Terrell Edmonds. But who knows? Maybe they see something that a lot of people don't and they think he can be... Uh, a really good safety in this league. So who knows? Number 29, the Jaguars took Tavon Bryan, defensive tackle out of Florida. And really, defensive tackle, if there was if there's a weakness on this Jaguars defense, and it's really not even a weakness, it's their defensive line, and really it's not even bad at all. But pairing up Tavon Bryan with Marcel Darius, that's going to be a their defense. I mean, God, it's the best I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Number 30, the Vikings took Mike Hughes' corner out of Central Florida. 
they kind of needed some help at corner. They have Trey Waynes and um, Xavier Rhodes and Terrence Newman kind of as their nickel corner. He's kind of he's kind of old. He's like 39 years old, and he's actually a pretty decent for how old he is. But they really needed someone else, and Mike Hughes, pretty solid. I did like Josh Jackson better, but hey, whatever floats the boat. Number 31, the Patriots took Sony Michelle out of Georgia, running back. I was kind of surprised by this. I thought they were going to go Lamar Jackson here. Or maybe another offensive lineman or defense. But they took running back. They did lose Deion Lewis to the Titans in free agency. That's pro So that's probably what their thought process was. Was to, you know, just replace what they lost. So really, the Patriots utilized their running backs extremely well. So... You know, this is a pretty good pick. Uh, I, really, any player the Patriots pick, I believe it's going to be an outstanding pick because they just have the best system in football and they develop their players really well, no matter if they're stars or just no names. And then number 32, the Ravens traded back into the first round to select Lamar Jackson out of Louisville. And really, I thought this was actually... Perfect, because Joe Flacco is not very good. He's never been outstanding. In the playoffs, Joe Flacco is one of the best in the league. But for the future, he's kind of getting up there in age. He doesn't perform well in the regular season. Lamar Jackson is going to be a huge culture changer. You're going to have to change your entire system. But a guy with that much versatility and a guy that could potentially have like Michael Vick type impact or like RG3 in his rookie season, I mean, this guy can be something special and can really change the culture in Baltimore. So the first round was pretty entertaining. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to grade each team's first round. Round. I'm going to grade how each team did in the first round. All right, sorry, I was getting a drink. Um, the Browns, I'm going to give them a solid A-. minus. I think they could have done better at quarterback. I really liked Sam Darnold. But I trust John Dorsey. And I trust him so much that I actually think it might work. And Denzel Ward... Excellent selection at corner. Fills a, a glaring need. So A- minus for them. The Giants, I'm going to give them an A. Saquon Barkley's a home run hitter. And I think it's really going to help them out. It's going to really free things up for Eli Manning. The Jets, I give them an A. They were probably going to take Rosen or Baker Mayfield. And they end up getting Darnold just falling into their laps. So that was perfect for them. The Broncos... That's an A. Chubb and Vaughn Miller, that's an in, impossible duo to stop off the edge. The Colts, I give that an A because they needed protection for Eli Manning and they got the best guard in the draft. The Buccaneers, I give that a, a B. I give that a probably a B plus or A minus. Uh, they really corrected and fixed 
their front four, which was really, really bad last year. And that's really going to help out their secondary, too, because if you have a solid front four that can get to the quarterback, that's going to help out your secondary. The Bills, I give them a B plus. Josh Allen, is got, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's got all the measurables, and I think he can, he can be a total superstar. But it's going to take a while for him to, to develop, and he's very raw. He's not very accurate. So we'll see how it goes. He'll probably start. He'll have to because A.J. McCarron is not really a starter in this league. And then Tremaine Edmonds at 16 I thought was a tremendous pick for, for what was there. I mean, there was a lot of defensive personnel still on the board, and you got to take what's available. You got to take the best available player. So I give that a B plus. The Bears, I give that a a B plus. They got the best linebacker in the draft, and it filled a need. And really, I, I thought they needed an offensive lineman, but there wasn't really one available for them to take. They needed a guard, and there wasn't really one available worthy of taking that high. So getting a linebacker fills a need. B plus. The 49ers. I give them an A. They needed to protect their quarterback. $140 million investment. You got to protect him. Mike McGlinchey was perfect for them. Cardinals, I also give them an A. Rosen's got a little bit of some character issues, but they got their quarterback of the future, and he can be a superstar. He can be that guy that he he's a star on the field. He's going to win you games, but people are just going to, they're just not going to like him. All right, so the Dolphins, I give them a B plus. I think they needed to uh, improve their defensive line, but, you know, improving the secondary also. The secondary and the defensive line kind of go hand in hand. If you have good a good secondary, it gives more time for your defensive line to get to the quarterback. And if you have a good defensive line, it gives... It makes it easier for your secondary to cover the receivers. So they really go hand in hand, and it works. The Redskins, I give them a B. I thought they needed secondary help. They got a run stuffer, but again, like I said, it goes hand in hand. The Jaguars, Jaguars, I give them a B. There, were, there really wasn't much they could do to improve their defense. They could have went receiver early in the first round. And Tavon Bryant's pretty solid, so B. Raiders, I give that a B plus, probably even an A minus. They really needed to actually correct their offensive line and protect Derek Carr a little better. I thought it was a pretty solid pick. The Packers, I give them an A minus. Secondary was a glaring need. They ended up trading back, getting picks, and then trading back up with the picks they got, and probably got the same guy they originally wanted. So I thought it was great for them. The Cowboys, I give them a B plus. I thought they needed a receiver in the first round. They took a linebacker, which does fill a need. But they would have probably gotten an, gotten an A had they taken a receiver. The Lions, I'll give them a B. I thought they definitely needed a just a pure running back, not a receiving back, but just a pure back. But like I like I said earlier, to have a good running game, you have to have a decent enough O-line. The Saints, 
I'll give them a B. And the re it would be higher, but the reason why I'm giving them a B is because they traded away a lot just to get that 14th pick and get Marcus Davenport. They really gave up too much, I think. And I think really it was too much for a guy that was probably going to be there at 27. All right, the Chargers, I'll probably give them an A, maybe even an A+. They got a guy that just completely fell to their laps, a guy that was probably number one on their draft board, but just they didn't think they were going to get him. So they were focusing on other guys. And when he fell, that was like that was like Christmas for them. So I thought that was the steal of the first round. So A. Bengals, I give them a B plus. They needed some offensive line help, and they got Billy Price. He's an Ohio Ohio State kid. It's a perfect match. The Titans, B plus. They needed a line, some linebacker help. Rashawn Evans was the last best available first round worthy linebacker. The Patriots, I give them an A because they did the typical Patriot thing, you know, building up front, taking an offensive lineman, and replacing what they lost in free agency. The Panthers, A minus. They needed a receiver. I thought Ridley probably would have been better for them. But, I mean, DJ Moore, a lot of people had DJ Moore ranked higher than Ridley. And obviously it has to be for good reason. Ravens, I give them an A+. This is probably the only A+. Maybe beside, the Chargers could have an A+. I gave them an A. But I think the Ravens definitely get an A+, for the first round. They traded back twice, I believe it was, to get a tight end, which they needed. And then traded back into the first round with some of their the picks they got from trading back. And got their quarterback of the future, a guy that they're gonna, that Joe Flacco is gonna hand the reins to. So I thought it was a perfect draft for the Ravens, and it couldn't have been done any better. And the Falcons, I give them an A because you know Matt Ryan and Julio Jones were kind of off last year, and Calvin Ridley will give them another, give Matt Ryan another option when Julio is double covered. It's going to really open things up for Ridley. And it's going to be perfect for them to help them get back on track. The Seahawks, I give them a C plus. I They reached a little bit on a running back that was projected second or third round. I thought they could have taken an offensive lineman. They could have maybe went defense, got a corner. I thought they had other needs. And they could have waited to take a running back. The Steelers, I give them a D. They took a guy that was projected fifth round. I've got nothing else to say about that. The Vikings, I'll give them a B minus. They got a corner that they needed. It helps them sure up their secondary. That's a solid pick. Josh Jackson, I think, is better, but you know, whatever floats your boat, I guess. Alright, and then the other four teams remaining did not have first-round picks. The Eagles, Texans, Chiefs, and Rams did not have first-round picks. So, I obviously, they don't get grades. But, they, some, but the Eagles did have a pretty solid draft. The Ram, the, I mean, the uh, Texans 
had a pretty solid second round of the draft. Uh, I don't really know too much about what the Rams and the Chiefs did in the draft. But yeah, so that is my draft recap. All right. So, big news during the draft, actually. Jason Witten announced that he was mulling retirement from the NFL and considering taking a Monday Night Football analyst job. And that's really a big punch in the stomach for the Dallas Cowboys. They were blindsided by this announcement from Jason Witten. He has not made anything official yet. He said he was going to make his decision by Wednesday. So, obviously the Cowboys needed to go out and get a tight end. They took one. Dalton Schultz in the fourth round, I believe it was, maybe the fifth round. Dalton Schultz out of Stanford. And he's 6'6", like 230-something, I think he was. So, he's a he's a big guy, and hopefully he's going to be the successor to Witten. I thought the Cowboys should have taken Fumagalli. And like the sixth, but oh well. Uh, but hopefully Witten comes back. I think he actually will come back for another season. I mean, if he's taken this long to think about it, I think he's definitely wanting to come back. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, so we're going to move on to the NBA playoffs. The first round, well, the second round is officially underway. But a little bit of just some recap of the first round. The Warriors beat the Spurs in five, as I predicted. The Rockets beat the T-Wolves in five. I believe I predicted that. Uh, The Pelicans beat the Trailblazers in four. They swept them. The Jazz beat the Oklahoma City Thunder in six. Toronto beat the Wizards in six. The Celtics beat the Bucks in seven. The 76ers beat the Heat in five. And the Cavs beat the Pacers in seven. The only series I got wrong was the Celtics and Bucks. And I was only off by one game. I said Bucks in seven. So I thought I did pretty well. Um, for Portland, getting swept as a three seed, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad, and their head coach, Terry Stotts, I I would think he's going to get fired. Uh, The Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder, that was a pretty interesting series. And it just shows that, like, Donovan Mitchell is a lot more mature than Russell Westbrook. Donovan Mitchell had phones in his face when he was going through the tunnel. He didn't bat an eye, but when after the Thunder lost the series... People had phones up to Russell Westbrook's face, and he started confronting some fans, and almost he was almost fighting some fans over it. It just shows the maturity level of Donovan Mitchell as a rookie. So I commend him for that. Uh, but for OKC, say goodbye to Paul George. He's going to be saying hello from Los Angeles next year. And you're going to be stuck paying Carmelo Anthony $28 million unless you come to some buyout agreement. You're going to be stuck paying him $28 million. Just think about that. He shot 
on catch and shoot threes in this series versus the versus the Jazz, he shot 19% from the floor. That is terrible. I know Carmelo Anthony has more left in the tank, but I just don't think it's going to work in in Oklahoma City. They need to buy him out. And hopefully Paul George stays for them, but I don't think he's going to stay. I think he is definitely leaving. It didn't work. They're too talented of a team. I don't understand how they could not figure it out. Like, it took a little bit for D. Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosh to figure it out, but they went to the finals. Granted, they lost, still went to the finals, and went to three more. So it's really inexplicable how that didn't work out. And really, I think it's just because of the type of players they had. Russell Westbrook's a ball hog. Only cares about his own stats. Carmelo Anthony loves to play iso ball. He's an isolation guy. And Paul George is the same way. He likes to have the ball. When you have three ball-centric guys on your team, it's not going to work out. One... One is obviously going to get left out, and that was the case for Carmelo Anthony this year, and he does not want to take a back seat. He's already said he will not sit the bench. He's not going to come off the bench. So it's going to be interesting for the Thunder. And Russell Westbrook is always going to be the Thunder's best player, but he will also be their biggest liability because he's going to drive away players. Paul George is coming for one year, and now he's going to be gone. He is going to be gone. And you're going to be stuck with Melo unless you buy him out. And even then, you're still financially straddled. You have to pay him $28 million. But Paul George is going to be waving hello from Los Angeles next year. That is my prediction. Uh, for, for the Cavs Pacers... I was really hoping the Pacers would pull it out. Really, pretty much every game was close in this series. And really, the Pacers outplayed the Cavs in every game. It was just that, you know, you're going up against LeBron James, and when he's scoring 45, he's having like 40-point triple-doubles. It's pretty hard to beat him. And an interesting stat, LeBron... This is the first time in LeBron's career that he, that his team won a playoff series and no other teammate scored more than 20 points in one game, in a single game in the series besides him. That just shows how much work he had to do to beat a, an actually pretty good team. The Pacers are a really good team. They don't have any stars. They just have very good, a very good combination of young talent that plays well together. That's going to be the toughest series I think the Cavs play throughout the entirety of the Eastern Conference playoffs. And if they make it to the finals, obviously the Rockets or the Warriors will be the toughest matchup they play. But in terms of making it out of the East, the Pacers will give them the toughest test, I think, just because they match up so well. Oladipo, I think, is going to butt into a young star He's already trying to get better. He said he's not taking any time off at all. Miles Turner is an excellent young center. Demonis Sabonis has grown. 
and developed into a nice a nice piece for the future. Bogdan Bogdanovich is an outstanding three-point shooter. This team's on the up and up. They're going to be a pretty solid team. Now, as far as the second round goes, the Warriors are facing off against the New Orleans Pelicans. The Warriors are currently up 1-0 in the series, and that's without Steph Curry. Steph Curry is probable for Game 2. My prediction is Warriors in 5 for that series. Once they get Steph Curry back, they might lose. I think they might lose the first game. Steph Curry comes back just because they're trying to reintegrate him back into the offense. So it's kind of be, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, but it won't take long for them. The Rockets versus the Jazz. The Jazz are, are without rookie Rubio. He strained his hamstring. So I'm going to go with Rockets in five. Even if they had Ricky Rubio, I still think it's probably Rockets in five, maybe six. But we're going to go with five for the Rockets. Cavs versus Toronto. I like the Cavs in six. I think this this is a much better matchup for the Cavaliers because they're going up against two stars. And then some role players, whereas like Indiana was a very good collection of young talent that played really well together and matched up well. But Toronto does not exactly, it's not exactly a tough matchup. And Toronto always chokes when they play the Cavs. So I feel I just I feel like the Cavs are going to win this in six. And then Philadelphia versus Boston. Boston without Kyrie Irving is still an extremely tough team. Defensively, they're the best, the best team in basketball. Brad Stevens is probably, I would say, he's the second best coach in the NBA behind Greg Popovich. A lot of people would say Brad Stevens is the best in the NBA. Teach their own. I still think Brad Stevens is top of the league in terms of coaching. Uh, and he plays a tough brand of basketball, and I think that's going to be tough for Philly. But ultimately, not having Kyrie Irving is going to hurt them because they just don't have enough firepower. Because Philly is almost as good on the defensive end as Boston. And they have far more firepower in terms of scoring the basketball with Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick. And Joel Embiid. So it's going to be a tough series for Philly, but I think it'll be 76ers in seven. It's going to be a pretty tough series for them. So my conference finals prediction is going to be Warriors Rockets and Cavs 76ers. So I am looking forward to that. Alright guys, well, that's it for me this week. I apologize for getting this this out late. This should drop for you guys early Tuesday. I gotta be more consistent, and I'm going to be, once school is out, I'm going to be free. I will work, but I will have a lot more time to put shows together. So I, I will be better with the consistency. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at The Will Ford Show. Thank you for listening, guys. It's WFS.